You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. All right, I'm going to call you back. You're already sitting down. Good work. That's a first for our passing the peace time. You should have a handout in front of you. It's the five passages we're going to be looking at this afternoon. I was telling some people earlier when we were doing our pre-service prayer, I just want to thank you again for your prayers for sweet Henry. He is healthy and not needing oxygen the last two days, which has been awesome. So, and he's, he's as happy as a clam. Uh, so you'll see a lot of smiles from him. Uh, we ended up in the Phoenix Children's ER department on Tuesday night. We got some reps back there. I saw Cammie working randomly, pushing a patient down the hall. She didn't break any protocols, don't worry. I didn't get too close as I was going to see Henry one afternoon. But we were there on Tuesday night, and the room was packed, like hundreds of kids, families down the hall. It was insane. And my estimate was, which I think I was pretty close, Kenny confirmed with me, because Cammie's got the inside numbers, there was 200 kids that were seen that night in the emergency room. And as you walk in, it, I don't know if, how to even describe, like if you were to take a, a sound and you were to describe each act of the story from creation to restoration with a sound, I think you could use that sound of that emergency room on Tuesday night. You hear kids moaning and coughing, crying, doctors and nurses running around trying to help different kids, families just waiting, weary as they're trying to get help for their kid. Uh, and everyone's just kind of in a miserable state. And the reason I bring that up is because often our circumstances blind us to what God is up to. Blind us to how in the world could God meet us in broken places, meet families, meet individuals, when it seems like from the eyes what you can see with just, uh, if you look, nothing, it seems like God's not in that space at all. Seems like he's not present, he's not moving, he's not active. People of Israel were in exile for hundreds of years. As we enter in the Advent season, it's not a season of them probably joyfully expectant, but probably just passively waiting, maybe in despair. The promises of old are a distant memory now, generations ago, and one after one they've been taken over by other empires and nations. They're lost. What they can see with their eyes doesn't make sense of what they know to be true about the character of God. There's a gap. And that's what Advent is. It's inviting us into that gap. And how do we live in that space between our present circumstances and our future hope? And calling out, God, would you meet us now in the present? So we're going to continue this afternoon looking at some passages from Scripture. And I'm just going to say this. As I've been reflecting on these all week, I have been so encouraged that God's Word is active and alive, and it speaks. And the images you're going to see in these passages brought me to tears as we think about, in the midst of our circumstances, God intervening, giving us hope both in the present and in the future. And so I have five different readers. You're going to hear from five different voices of our congregation as they read through the different passages. They're going to be before you as well. 
But we're going we're gonna to move from the earliest passage in the Bible to the last passage. And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to invite them up one by one. They're going to read the passage, and then we're just going to sit in silence for 20 or 30 seconds. You're going to try to embody and live into that passage and that story, and then you hear the next one. And then at the end, I think what's really beautiful about these passages, it will begin to synthesize them together and maybe pull out some themes, not just from what I see, but from us as a congregation. What is God saying to us in our midst tonight? Not just from the person who's standing in front, but from one another. So we're going to start with Isaiah 35. Meredith's going to read for us. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and weeds and papayas will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but one, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord have rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and the sorrows and sighing will flee away. Now let's listen to Psalm 1. 46. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. By the way of the wicked, he bring, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Now let's listen to Matthew chapter 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. 
the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense to me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We're going to hear another gospel passage from the Gospel of Luke. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. James 5, 7 through 10. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See the judges standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I'd love to hear from you. What is uh, something that's stuck out to you in the conversation you just had with some folks around you? What are some themes or some questions or some insights that maybe the Holy Spirit is giving you as we seek to be uh, truly an Advent people that wait for Jesus' return? What do you guys think? What are you, what are you seeing? Did you guys hear that? That's such a good insight. Imagery of patiently waiting is not passivity, but it's active. There's work to be done to see something cultivated and grown, but at the end of the day, my guardian skills are very much lacking. God is what makes it grow. It needs all these different things outside of your control for that plant to then sprout up and to, give, and to bear fruit. 
Uh, over here, I'm going to just jump in. Uh, ben added, asked a good question. He felt like that passage was the most out of place of the five. All these passages, the main character is God, and yet here, the fifth passage is a command to be patient, like a farmer. So we sit in this tension reality of both knowing that Jesus has come, he will come, and he'll make renewal of all things, and yet in the here and now, our posture is of patience, but not passivity. Patience actively cultivating in our own hearts, in our communities, in our city, uh, the arrival of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist's mission was, right? To make way for Jesus' coming. What else are you guys seeing? Yeah, did you guys hear that? Imagery of a journey. Highway being made, being on a journey. Maybe the destination is clear where we're going, but along the way, uh, it can be pretty dark. I love that the Psalm, 20, Psalm 23 doesn't promise no hardship or uh, no despair or no darkness, but it says that you will be with me as I walk through the darkest valley. That on the journey, God's, his, his act, his, his will is that he would be with you on the journey, even in great darkness. What else? Anything else coming to mind? Yes, Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things in, in my house this last week is trying to weed out for my kids uh, a scarcity mentality of like, hey, there's always enough. You've always had enough. You can share with your sister. You've always had enough food. You've never gone hungry. And yet we operate that way with God as well, right? That God is actually stingy. He's not generous. He doesn't actually give us what we actually need. So therefore, we have to control. We have to find our own comfort. We have to look to success. We need someone's approval. Instead of actually God as a generous giver, and even these pictures here, the hope is that he would give us all that we need and much more. He's going to renew the entire creation. What would it look like to switch that mentality we often sit in of God is holding out on me and instead trust that he is a generous giver like we see in these passages? Yes. Anything else? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So good. Two things I hear that fit really well into the one thing I wanted to share tonight. It's usually how it works. The first thing is God often does the unexpected or the reverse of what we think should happen. It's not just that they should make the lame man, the lame man comfortable or the blind man comfortable, but rather he restores sight and the ability to walk. Like he goes beyond even just, okay, let's just figure out the present circumstance. I'm going to reverse. Uh, the passage here from Luke is from Mary's mouth. And Mary was a overlooked, ordinary, rural pe- uh, peasant that had no really place in God's story. And yet she's the one in which the king is going to reside in. And not only that, but as a virgin. Like God is constantly doing this work where he meets people in unexpected places. And Advent is a season where we worship a king who was born outside of a city 
in an overlooked place, and that somehow what happened there has ramifications for the whole world. What? That's not how kings come. That's not how people become in charge. That's not how things get made new, usually in our places. That's the first thing. And the second thing is this, and I think this is the point of these passages in this week of Advent, is that we uh, are invited in these passages to recover an imagination of what God could and will do. Could and will. You and I, or at least I'll speak for myself, operate in a lot of can't, and he won't. God can't. He's not powerful enough, and he won't. Can't and won't are many of the ways we operate, and hence why we go to other things to find comfort, success, approval, or control. But the imitation of this passage from Isaiah on is to see a God who both could intervene in whatever circumstance that you're in, and one day will. It's not a false hope that, yeah, God could do something, and that maybe we could hope that he could invade the present and make something new, but the hope is that he will. That's the hope of the end of the story. He will return and make all things new. He can take a desert, which we should be familiar with, not in this one square mile here, go out to Bush Highway, and that's a real desert, He can take a desert and make it a lush land of flowing water. Like, what? Like, if you were to see that, and you take someone out to the desert. We had a brother from Japan who was visiting for Soma School, and he got to go on a hike in the desert, and he was, like, overwhelmed. He's never been in a desert before. It's like, you would take him there. He's from Japan. Like, he's seen lush. Like, you take him there and say, hey, this is actually what God's going to do to this place. He's going to make this flowing with water. Like it's going to be so lush and it's going to be so unexpected. He, he and us would say, no way. And so the invitation for you and me is to recover our imaginations. To recover what God could and will do. And here's what I want you to do to make that really permanent and centered. I want you to think of a relationship or a place. That when you look at it with your own eyes... And with your own heart, you say, there's no way God could or will do anything to make it new. Maybe it's a broken relationship in your family, in our church, apart apart from here in some other place. Or maybe it's a place in your city or a home. Like, think of whatever that is right now. Bring that to mind. Let's surface any cynicism or pessimism you have about that relationship or place. And the many times that you've been there and say, God isn't here. Questioning or doubting God is not a problem to be solved. John the Baptist was in prison wondering if you really were Jesus the Messiah. Did you catch that in the passage? Are you the Messiah or should I wait for somebody else? Because I'm about to be beheaded in prison. So let that surface. But then right now, just in a simple prayer, would you offer to God, God, would you reveal to me in really a significant or even a really small way how you might renew this place or this relationship? Maybe not overnight like the farmer 
but over a long period of time. And right now, imagine as you pray into that, what that relationship or place would look like if it was renewed, as it will be in new creation to come. What would it look like? What would it sound like? What would it feel like? What emotions would come when Jesus returns and restores all things? I'm going to invite the the team, the band to come up. I'm going to lead us to the table now. If you had to pick the most unlikely of places or circumstances for God to reveal himself, look no further than the cross. A symbol in the ancient world of humiliation and shame, Jesus took the cross and like the disciples and many others, they fled because kings don't die on crosses. And so as we wait as the farmer waits for God to intervene on our behalf, we already know that God has in Jesus Christ. And that in Jesus Christ and in his crucifixion and resurrection, we have the ultimate picture, the start, the seed of what God will do in the entire creation and in your heart and in my heart. So each week we come to this table, we take these simple elements of bread and of juice Because we remember that God has come into our present circumstances. That God has invaded his broken creation. And he is on a mission to redeem and restore all things. And today, he gives himself to you. So would you stand with me? We're going to recite the mystery of our faith. The great mystery that the crucifixion and the cross can now become a symbol of hope and triumph. Let's say these words together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Come and receive.